Good morning, Foothill Covenant Church. <laughs> um, once again, it's a pleasure to be uh, with you virtually in this time, in this space, uh, together. Hans Eric says that we are celebrating um, the missions work that Foothill Covenant Church is doing. Um, and what a fun, wonderful season after just last week celebrating Epiphany, where the light um, of Christ was announced not only to Israel, but also to the, to the Magi, and to the shepherds, um, and to all the world. So we, what a wonderful way to celebrate that together. So I wanted to thank the congregation. Not only you, um, not only do you corporately um, support us, which is uh, so necessary to our ministry, um, but we receive less than 10% of our funds from churches, and the vast majority is from individuals, and many of you individuals have been supporting our work, and so we're so thankful for your um, continued faithfulness to the work that God is doing through us and through Wycliffe Bible Translation. So thank you. Uh, this last year has um, been strange, but we have been able to continue to work via Zoom with our main translator, Alfredo. He has an internet connection in his house that we set up for him. Um, and so we work daily, mostly daily, because the internet goes out sometimes. And there are some days where we have to figure out some sort of a weird um, uh, dis distribution problem with Linux. And, and so sometimes we spend more, more time doing tech support than we do work in, in a day. Um, but as we all know, we have, that's just a fact of modern life, that that happens from time to time. But we've been able to continue to do our work. Isabel uh, was able to be trained um, uh, in grant uh, writing and is now the head grant writer for the Americas area and has been able to successfully um, find uh, or to find uh, and successfully apply for funding for several different Americas area projects. Now the reason that we need to be uh, finding uh, grants for this is that um, money that comes from Wycliffe Bible Translators um, is now earmarked for uh, directly um, things, work that is directly tied to Bible translation. So some of the, the secular prerequisites for our, our work, such as um, literacy training, um, uh, computate or computer training, um, uh, just, just aren't funded. And so we're trying to be creative and find new ways of funding these programs that are, that are now chronically <laughs> underfunded. And so Isabel has been really important in doing that work. And so we're very thankful for um, the kind of work that God is doing through her and that we'll do, th we'll do through her. And the, the partnership that, um, and the collaboration that that allows for us to have, um, not only within the church community, but also um, collaboration um, outside the church community to have our work embraced and made central in the work. Um, now, one thing that we have not been able to do over the past year is to do any community checks at all. And the reason we do community checks with our translation, which is basically where we take a text and we bring it into um, uh, a home church that, uh, well, no, there, there are a couple churches, churches in Mazatlan, but they're all fairly small. We, we do this for three reasons. One, we're sincerely interested in what people um, the perspective that they have on the Mostec and if they're understanding everything, um, or if they have any questions about the words, but basically if they're tracking the information well in Mostec. So that's one. And we're, we're very, very glad that when we do these, um, these studies, these community checks, very rarely do we have any substantive change in the translations that we're doing, which um, indicates that we're, we're, um, we're doing pretty well. People are understanding things well in Mostec, and that's very rewarding. Um, but two, 
we also want um, want the believers to start to develop um, the habit of understanding that their their ponderings of the scripture, their insights of the scripture, are going to be better um, in their native language, and those. Uh, the way that God will work inside of them will happen better in the language of their heart because they're, they have a greater facility with this. And as you and I know, there's a lot of pretty sophisticated concepts in the Bible, and we want people to bring their highest cognition to this work and not simply the cognition that they can get through studying a, third, a second or third language. If any of you speak, has, have learned a second or third language, you know how much can be lost as you study things in that language and even how you contemplate or pray and the other language. Many times it's much more sophisticated in your first language. And then third, um, we, um, we want them to be on board and to really be following us as a um, Bible translation project so that they're invested in the work that, that we do so that they will use our scriptures more. We haven't been able to do that. And so we're really looking forward to the time where we can be vaccinated and we can return to Mexico. So you can be praying for us in that. Um, since we studied John, uh, the epistles of John over this last year, and we have some really good uh, um, drafts that I really want to check with the community, those words have been in my head. Um, and so as we are in this season, one week after Epiphany, um, I am continually drawn to John. But the word of Epiphany challenges um, the epistles of John in a pretty particular way that I wanted to uh, explore. So. Um, John, uh, has, John was writing to some fellow believers um, who seemed to have been influenced by Gnostic teaching. Um, now, Gnostic, you know, you've probably heard the word from the Gnostic Gospels. Uh, they tend to think about uh, hidden truths. Think of the, of the movies, The Matrix. Those is a wonderful Gnostic sort of uh, worldview, is that um, the world is a lie, and there's secret, secrets to, to uncover um, the actual truth that's inside all of these things. Um, well, John is writing to these people, and he is telling them, um, one, that Jesus was indeed a man and not solely a spirit. Two, that the, what they do with their bodies is indeed important, um, and not solely what they do with the spirit. And then three, how they live in community and interaction with, um, with their brothers and sisters is indeed important, and not simply what happens in, um, in the spirit world. So we have John telling this church to not be influenced by Gnosticism. And then we have Epiphany, where we see that um, we celebrate that Jesus was born and he was communicated not only to, to uh, the Jewish world and the religious structures, but also into people outside of the religious structures. So we have a conflict there. Okay? Um, one which seems to be God is working outside the church and the other one seems to be, don't listen to things that are not from the gospel that you have received. Sometimes um, exploring these sort of, line, lining these two ideas up side to, side to side can help us reflect on a deeper truth, and sometimes more difficult. Let me read the, pas the, the passage from 1 John 1, chapters, or verses 5 through 10. Once again, that's 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. 
But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. I have felt this tension um, all year since we've been back from Mexico. As we were thrown back into the political life of the United States, um, which is very divided, um, things were made all the more tense by this pandemic, um, where even one's response to the pandemic um, takes on a valence of one's political alliance. Um, and I found that my faith in God was not giving me a very good perspective on things. Um, I was tired and anxious, and instead of being heavily minded um, and getting a transcendental expression, I was totally here on earth and totally worried about earthly things and just mad about earthly, earthly things. And so um, there was sin in me as I walked in the light. That became apparent to me. I was sinning as I walked in the light. And as John tells me, you'll know that you're walking in the light if you love your brother and sister. Well, I was hating my brother. I was hating my sister. I was um, irritated a lot. I was angry. Um, perhaps you, I would ask you, um, have you hated your brother for uh, asking you to wear a mask? Have you hated your brother for not wearing his mask? Have you hated your brother or sister um, for voting for a senile puppet? Have you hated your brother and sister for supporting or being sympathetic to insurrectionists? I think we're struggling with this. Verse 6 of um, the first chapter of 1 John tells us, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. And in verse 8 it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and there is no truth in us. So it seems that we should not claim to be in fellowship with Christ if we are sinners, and if we say we are not sinners, we are not liars. So are we not to be in fellowship with Christ? Well, I conveniently skipped over um, verse 7, which is, of course, the key. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now let's think again about epiphany and the role of this physical light in heaven that shone, that shined. Um, it's such a beautiful image. Um, and it's worth thinking about the role that that light, that light played in the story of Jesus. So, um, this light was noticed by the Magi. Magi who were magicians. They were holy men, probably a, a holy men of a, of, a, of a different faith, a pagan faith. Holy men of a faith that Jeremiah or, um, or Isaiah would have railed against because this is teaching that was outside of the covenant, the Jewish covenant. Um, well, they saw this light and they responded to that light and they responded to something that was true. Okay, so that's interesting. This, the, the light um, also shined to uh, the shepherds and the, the star appeared to them 
and they saw it and they witnessed the angels singing. Um, they witnessed the angels singing, which is such an interesting thing to say. Um, Randy Woodley, who was a Cherokee, uh, Cherokee um, pastor and theologian, uh, notes in his book, Shalom and the Community of Creation, that um, shepherds weren't even allowed to bear witness in the courts of, uh, of the temple, uh, in the Jewish courts at that time, in Jesus' time. And so um, he writes that, uh, saying that that's, this is a familiar theme to Cherokees whose, um, whose witness in court has been denied and whose legal, um, legal complaints have similarly been denied. Um, and he sees that disenfranchisement in the, in the shepherds. And then God speaks to them. Um, so he speaks to the magi, magi who are outside of the religious tradition. He speaks to the shepherds who are outside of the legal tradition. Um, and also, when Christ announced, or when the angels announced themselves to Mary and to Elizabeth, these are women outside of the religious tradition, outside of the patriarchal um, traditions of the time. And so um, there is something so inclusive about all of this. And lest we think that the religious tradition and men at the center of religious power during this time had no role, um, it's worth reminding that when the Magi came, they came to Jerusalem and they asked Herod um, where the king was to be born. And it was Herod who talked to his scribes and the priests, and they looked through the scriptures, and they said, ah, he's going to be born in Jerusalem. So the scribes did have a role. They had the text. They had the scriptures, which, of course, um, is super, super important. As a Bible translator, I know that. But it wasn't the only piece. It wasn't the only piece. There were a lot of pieces to this pu puzzle of absolute truth, this, this wondrous act, which is Emmanuel, God with us, most of the pieces were outside of the religious structures of the time. Now, what does John mean when he says to walk in the light? What does he mean to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light? Well, as a kid, as a religious kid, wanting to be good, I always wanted to be good. For me, that meant um, being a good Christian. And being a good Christian meant church going and being a good church member, even being a missionary. I wanted to walk in the light. I wanted to be a church member. But the story of Epiphany seems to say that God is doing things outside of there as well. So the story of Jesus' birth tells us that walking in the light does not just mean living your life out in the confines of church activity. God has important information out there in the hands of the Magi as well, and in the hands of the shepherds. He has important information out there in the hands of the academic um, atheist elites. He also has uh, important information out there in the hands of the rural socialist farm worker. Um, in Colossians chapter 1 verses 19 and 20 it says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, speaking of Christ, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Let me repeat that, that phrase. To reconcile to himself all things. To reconcile to himself all things. Um, I don't think I have understood what that means. I still don't get it. I struggle with it, what it means. Um, and I think the church, um, the Western church, the Eastern church, 
are still struggling to understand what that means. But if we take the word of the epiphany, um, or the message of epiphany, to heart, then as we share the good news, we must also listen to the atheist academic who is perhaps studying dark matter or quantum, um, quantum physics. We must listen to them and try to determine what Christ, who has made all things, has shown them. We must do this sincerely, though, and not simply as a, as a method to dismantle their arguments um, so that we can be um, praised in our own eyes and in the eyes of others, but we must listen sincerely to what they're saying. As we share the good news, we must also listen to the socialist Maltec farm worker or the postmodern post cultural critic. We have to listen to them. We have to seek what God is doing in all those places. The revelation of epiphany that God has dwelled among us and is bringing all things to himself has not been understood. We, the church, have so much to contribute to the spreading of this good news. I, as a Bible translator, have something to contribute. We have read the text, and we are bursting with desire to share that text with everyone, to share the news that is in that text with everyone. But we must also understand that God speaks to people outside the church, and they might have information and perspectives that we need to hear. Not because they are separate and equally valid truths, because they are part of the real truth, part of the Emmanuel truth, part of this Yahweh truth that we have seen but do not completely understand. So walking in the light includes loving our non-Christian brothers and sisters and testing their words to know if they are from God. We can't, though, assume that the atheist, the fundamentalist, the socialist, or the anti-vaxxer have nothing to contribute. We can't. In our church, we have progressive in Foothill Covenant, we have progressive Christians and we have conservative Christians. Um, and we're seeing eye to eye less and less. We are loving each other poorly. We have gotten to a point where we not, are not only ignoring perspectives that are coming from outside the church, we're even ignoring perspectives that, coming, that are coming from inside the church. Um, we are not walking in the light well. Okay, We know that. Because John tells us that when we lock, walk in the light, we are loving our brothers and sisters. That's how we know we're walking in the light. We are not doing that well. We are falling short. And so, um, I will encourage us, um, as we walk into the light, to try to understand and listen to other people better. Um, when we listen to people that are outside, we need to have um, not the bias that they are wrong and everything that comes from their mouth must be um, evil or tainted. But as we listen, we should enter into with the bias that God speaks to all people and all things. God may be speaking to them and showing them truths that we need to hear. And we will measure everything against um, the light of scriptures. But we have to have a bias that they have something to contribute. If we're completely disregarding people, then we're in error. Our bias, let me say that again, is that God is speaking to all people and all things and bringing them to him. And uh, he is telling them things that we as a church do not know yet. 
Um, brothers and sisters, let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be walking in the light, um, to be in this process of finding darkness in us, confessing our sins, um, and knowing that you are faithful to forgive us our sins. I confess, Father, that I have sinned against my brothers and sisters in, um, in hating. I pray that you would open my mind and open my heart to listening to um, what you are doing outside of my tradition. Help me to listen and to hold it up to the light of truth, not in order to ignore it, but in order to find the truth in what is being shared. I pray this in your name.